For the newly indoctrinated, Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files follows the story of a professional wizard in Chicago. We started our podcast as a way to help break down the series' most important moments, characters, and lore. This is McAnally's Dresden Files podcast by Free Flow Rambling. Conjur at it by your own risk. Welcome to the McAnally's podcast brought to you by Free Flow Rambling. This is episode number 11, Elevator Whoosh Smash Ding! My name is Tanzan and I'm joined by Maggie. Hello. And Jess. Bonjour. <laughs> Today yeah. we have a guest. Welcome, Andreas. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, just a friend of Jess. Uh, and I think I've been reading this series since before we met. And I think that's how we kind of met was we just started rambling about um, about the books. So I'm just kind of a fan of sci-fi and fantasy in general. More lean towards sci-fi, but anything that's interesting catches my attention. So Right on, right on. Cool. Okay. Do you have any um, anything you'd like to talk about pre-chapter pre 21 or some, uh, some comments or just lead I, in? I will admit <laughs> that I have not read this book for years and I just hopped in right at 21 and it took me about five minutes to realize, okay, this is where the story is. So to Jim Butcher's credit, I could understand where he was halfway through the book, no problem, and it was easy to get back into <laughs> And I just listened to them like last night. I listen to most of my books on Audible. So, yeah, I'm just a slow. Shout out Audible. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sponsorship. sponsorship. Please sponsor here. (laughs) (laughs) Love Audible. Um, Cool. All right. So, no major things that you. We love Audible. We talk about Audible all the time. (laughs) Mainly just that his writing is good enough and easy enough to follow. Yeah. And understand that jumping like skipping 20 chapters wasn't an issue once after a minute or two yes at least if you're somewhat familiar i wouldn't suggest yeah yeah your first read to start at 21 just saying folks yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. i mean yeah i'm familiar enough with him now that it was easy enough to jump back in well i will say like too that jim butcher's files yeah that's how that's called you've seen his files (laughs) Uh, despite the amount of lore there is, it's really easy to get into because, like, I just started, like, the Brandon Sanderson series and I was, like, I had to reread it, like, the first few chapters, like, five times because I was, like, I what is even happening? What year is this? What did like, you start with? None of your business. I recommended it. What did you start with? Even, that goes for, like, even <laughs> the series I'm trying to get you into, the Powder Mage ones. Like, I went back to that book and I've been, I normally listen to it when I'm going to bed, but, like, I get lost and I'm like, how far in? When are events happening? And I've re-listened to that series a couple times. So like, it's definitely not a trivial thing for Jim Butcher to be able to um, write this well and make it this easy to jump back in once you're somewhat familiar with it. Same thing. Um, My sister a while back got me into, um, what is it? The Dark Jewels? The Black Jewels? crap sorry people black jewels black jewels trilogy by ann bishop and yeah i remember the very first time the first chapter of the first book i was kind of like like just um again just the style of writing it took me a second to see and i sort of like put it down and honestly didn't go back to it for like months or i don't know how long and then needed something again i was like okay let me and then sort of my brain was in enough position i sort of switched and i was like oh okay yeah i see where and absolutely loved the series. It's an I've read pretty much yeah. everything, I think. About I mean, not that the, 
Sorry, not that the Hunger Games are complicated, but I thought it was a male lead for like a while. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was a while before, before I realized she actually it was had a to girl. like introduce herself. And <laughs> yeah, I guess one last thing to say is I think part of what drew me into this into the series to begin with is um, I'm a big fan of the old sci-fi, like the hard-boiled sci-fi or hard-boiled detective stuff that was in the golden age of sci-fi writing. And, all that. and oh. this is kind of the same thing because like. Dresden is kind of a hard-boiled detective-type character, just instead of it being either post-World War II or um, or sci-fi, it's just fantasy. But he works so well with it. Like, we'll bring up a little bit later, like, his pamphlets, and it just works well, because he just, everything's built into the world. A credit to the grumpy wizard, a 25-year-old in the 2000 right. reads the same as a detective right after World War II. Well, I love it. I, love, I do like one of my favorite things when I first picked up the book is the the description they have or what, you know, like if Philip Marlowe met Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know, kind of a thing. Like that's very mm -hmm. much. Yeah. And you're right. I like both of those genres and he does a really yeah. good job he's... of mixing them without making it like jarring that yeah. you've got it's like, organic it's very it's very, yeah, it's, uh, very much i guess that would be the only other thing is harry's my people his writing is very organic to the to the setting that he's in right like yeah. it all just flows and works really well and it doesn't feel like it's slammed together like it all feels natural and yeah not artificially made I've definitely met this guy on the streets of chicago yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Chapter 21. Monica Sells tells Dresden all about how Victor Sells fell into dark magic and why. Harry leaves and tries to contact Murphy. He learns from Carmichael that she is serving a warrant at his office. Harry calls his office and gets her, but the line cuts off as she opens the drawer with a scorpion talisman in it. Harry manages to force his way into this house. He convinces Monica to talk to him, and she reassures the children to, you know, things are fine. Go away. Go hide in your room in case things get bad. I'll lock the door. And she does agree to talk to Jason, al although she is incredibly nervous and upset. And Harry goes into it a little bit like, I feel really bad for making her do this, but at the same time, like, I'm going to die. Like, <laughs> speak the hell up. Like, yeah. I think, like, it's the exact wording is something like, I gave her as long as I could, which wasn't much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. He even has the line of he wanted to get, he felt like giving her a hug, but it would be, like, more painful. Like, just after everything she's gone through, he didn't want to get yeah. close to her kind of thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they've just done their soul gaze, so he has seen to right. the core and Thank essence you. of Monica. Yeah. yeah, and that's part of why she finally breaks and gives in, because she probably sense. sees a bit of Dresden and knows that, okay, he's not the wackadoodle ah. monster that Hubby is. Um, but... Um, but yeah, because he's now seen this innermost part, he's like, you know, yeah, she starts getting upset, I want to comfort and hug her, but I know that would have been, like, completely anathema to her. That would have been the worst thing I could have done, you know? Yeah. So he's like, I have. So yeah, his instinct is he's to seen that physically she, comfort. Yeah, he's seen through the soul gaze that she's not evil, that she's, at, that she's not a bad person. But what she's seen in him... God knows, because we never know, right? We, we never, never see know. it from uh, someone else's perspective. Yeah, yeah. Harry can only ever assume. But yeah, we have to. So back to Harry and his wild guesses. He throws out a lot of like, this is an educated guess. Let's go with it. And he quickly draws up that Jennifer uh, 
Stanton uh, is related to Monica Sell's knee Stanton uh, and quickly ties together that they not only were siblings and knew each other, but it was uh, part of the draw to Victor to Jennifer was her line of work working in the industry that she was working in when Victor decides that mm-hmm. uh, for one anger and high emotions help power his spells. So there was a clear time when Victor was building up on anger before he realized that lust is actually doing this far, lo and behold, better. And this was a nice little, again, talking about Richard's writing and stuff like that, because he's mentioned it a couple of times that something about Monica has remind, like, reminds him of something he sees, but it's subtle enough that you don't really you know, focus on it too much. You don't really spend a lot of time dwelling and be like, well, who is it? Who's she related to? What is the, right? He just kind of once or twice, he's like, yeah, there's something that, and we're like, oh yeah, I do that all the time. You know, probably reminds me of some actress he's seen, you know, or, right. He's amazing at burying the lead on who, on the connections between characters, which you see time and time again. Even like, as the series goes on, not to spoil anything, but it's like, it's, books later that you realize how important one little line is or one scene and in a good way too not burying the lead as in sorry yeah you no 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 i agree but yeah that's what i'm saying in a very good way in a very good way it's not like you're like wow all of a sudden he pulled this out of his ass and nobody's a clue what he's talking about right it is it's that subtlety that he mixes in that you're like so obvious now but so and i really appreciate that because i'm one of those people who We'll always be like, oh, yeah, this is going to happen. Oh, yeah, this is going to happen. Like TV shows and things like that. You know, you're like, oh. And so it's nice to be surprised, though. It's nice when what you think is being predictable and what initially plays out as being predictable suddenly isn't. And you're like, oh, damn, you got me. Yeah, I'm one of those (laughs) people, too, where it's like I'll watch a show or I'll watch a movie. And I'm like about quarter of the way through, I'll already have a theory as to how it's going to end. Yeah. So it's nice to... The more depth there is into a story, especially in a long-running series, the better. Because it just ends up being so interesting to look back on, too. Yes. I wonder, too, if Dres- or if Butcher has, like, post-it notes on as well. And he's like, necromancy in this book, dragons in this book, FOMOR in this book, this thing in that book, White Council in this book. And he's like, okay, so that means we're going to have to have one line in Stormfront from there, and two lines in Full Moon from there, and like he like works backwards, how and he's like he put, how hint he... to plot seven in book one, and hint to plot eight in book two, and hint to plot thirteen in book like. My theory is that every book he puts out, he's got one that's about four times as large sitting at home, and the manuscript is just full of notes for how it connects. And how he expands on his plan. His drafts at home is just like pages and pages of footnotes. Because how else would you keep track of it? Yeah. I, <laughs> it's why I'm not a novelist. Because <laughs> mm. I'm like, mm, I don't know. What I love about this chapter is, mis- uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but... Oh, don't worry, is, we will. Yeah. <laughs> this is his introduction to showing you that anyone can do magic in his world. That, like, you don't have to be a wizard, but, like, there's multiple ways to cast spells, and you have to figure out how to do it. Like, a wizard has kind of natural natural talent for it, mm-hmm. but the Shadow Man is a, is a normal human who just somehow figured it out. In so, so far. As far as we We as, do as know we that know. Victor hasn't spoken to his family in more than a decade. Oh, so we're okay. not 100% sure about his parentage or grandparents. Yeah. So there could be something latent in there. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. But regardless of that, it doesn't take training of any sort. You can teach yourself and grow that natural talent on your own. Because it's it's even Dresden's magic is a lot of rituals and a lot of um, like it's not full natural talent. Like I don't know in other series where if you've got it, you've got it. And if you mm-hmm. don't have it, you don't have it, and you're just a pleb, right? Harry has to lay a lot of the groundwork for yeah. bigger things, especially early on in the series. You've, he's got to sit down and brew the potions, or he's got to take the ritual practices, or he's got to really... Well, like, uh, even, uh, even what comes up in the next chapter, like, he, he's got his items that he's mm-hmm. foci, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of that, yeah, like you say, is to insulate. He has the power, but channeling it through something to use it more effectively or to keep it from leaking out all over the place yeah. or to be, damaging him internally. Like yeah. he to said, be a scalpel instead of a nuke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Like when he just slightly before when he did the, the toad demon and used the storm, right. He's like, Oh, this is going to be kind of crappy. Like I haven't prepared anything to, I'm going to channel this straight through me and like fry my mind. Like, you know, he's like, okay, I got my staff. That's, I got to be careful about how I do that. Cause that's all I have. Whereas normally, you know, you would have like the words and the rituals and mm-hmm. the things are what they use sort of as that insulation. So here's a little bit of a quote from that. Here we go. Um, that's the problem with not being too great at evocation. Plenty of sp- speed, plenty of power, not much refinement. Yeah, that's yeah. what the staff did in the blasting rod. They were designed to help me focus my power, give me pinpoint control. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I was yeah. referencing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so back- he's got all the raw power. He's just—it's making sure he doesn't kill himself or anyone around him. Yeah, while he uses it. And this, yeah. So going back to varying to- degrees of effect. <laughs> 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 so going back to this chapter to to. Well, I was going to say to to Victor there with, um, again, I hopefully not made your spoilery, but sort of in later books, um, you talk a little more about, yeah, like sort of being born with the power and and use it or lose it and things like that, right? So um, there was a couple of things here were part of me at first, and I was like, well, again, is this sort of a contradiction or like you say, going back to the fact that Stormfront... He didn't know, he was hopeful, but he didn't know that this was going to be, that they were going to pick it up and do like a 20 book series, right? It's like you say, counting it as somewhat of a one-off. Again, it was just something he just sort of wasn't focusing on too much in the beginning, whereas sort of later on he became with the, um, because like you say, if you think that he was born with power, well, if he didn't start using it until his, we're going to assume like late 30s, early 40s or something like that, their their age, given their stage in life and the age of their kids and stuff, Um you know, that, that he would have lost it if he didn't know anything about it and didn't use it. So can you regain if you work? Or like you say, is it purely the fact that anybody can pick up on rate? Um, but, you know, there, there is a certain amount to there of, of the book learning and what Monica says. And this is something that I sort of um, picked up on more this reread through is the is something I sort of always glossed over before is that she says it started when Billy was about four. I'd always taken it that this was relatively recent, like months, maybe a year, year and a half kind of a thing that he had. Um, but she says that that Jenny is at the um, the awkward stage of pre-adolescence. So let's say she's, what, 12? 12, 13. And Billy, I think he pegs him as a year or two younger. So he's 10 or 11 or whatever, right? So if it started at four, this is actually like six-ish years 
since Victor got started in the dabbling. So maybe the hardcore part of it has only been sort of the last few, like maybe it took him a long time to go basically from nowhere with no internal talent or skill. Even just finding concrete references to spells or rituals might have taken him years, right? Well, yeah, that's what she said. She's like, I'm not sure, but that's sort of when he found the magic and started. So exactly, right, to get to a point where he could actually accomplish anything with it. Yeah. And as like, such, but the it, fact that, yeah, it just it was interesting that I was like, oh, I totally sort of glossed over that every time that this was like, oh, like years, not just like, you know, the last 18 months. But yeah. yeah, it took and them a while. Having younger kids, um, they are more susceptible or more open to seeing um, like the, the fairies and stuff, right? Right. So it could have been the fact that his breakthrough was the fact that his son was young enough to mention something or see something. And it kind of gave him the inspiration. That too, yeah. Because a little bit farther into this chapter, when he's done talking to uh, Monica, he turns around and the daughter's there. Yeah. And she's got the line of, Billy's still too young to understand. So I always thought that he, or I took that as thinking that he was still like below 10. Yeah. And so he's way too young to even realize what happened to his aunt. Yeah. Um, well, that part, I think, yeah, like the particulars there for yeah. sure is. So that makes me question whether or not Victor recognized uh, magic in his daughter, potentially. And that's what led him to beginning his own path towards it. Because Harry is, or Jim Butcher, is very good about not making throwaway characters. He mm-hmm. tends to bring a lot of people back. And I've always had this feeling that Faith Astor was going to come back, and we haven't gotten to her yet, but she is in a short story coming up very soon. And I always expected Faith Astor to come back. But if potentially uh, Jenny Sells is the one who comes back, because uh, thinking about where we are with all the books right now, uh, roughly a decade has passed from the first book to Battleground, the 18th book, 17th book. So she would be early 20s yeah she'd be like just in the beginnings of adulthood now and after what just happened you could easily see a lot of people showing up who you didn't think you'd ever see again in the series which is a big part about the lead up to battleground no spoilers but we saw we got a ton of short stories in the lead up to battleground which did not come to fruition in battleground which makes me question the book that comes after battleground to now see how that all plays out and again, if Victor Sells was recognizing this beginnings of a magical thing in his daughter, who was, you know, six or seven at that time, a little bit younger than Harry was when he got his, but not mm-hmm. necessarily impossible. I wonder if that was just something that clicked Victor into the occult, if that's Vector, what it was. Vector. Vector. I mean, that was, that's okay. definitely something that we would notice rereading the series w- and that you would mm-hmm. not notice at all reading it the first time. Like, yeah. Oh, but that's the enjoyable thing about this series is there's always something you can pick up on listening Espe- or reading again. Especially since we're really unaware of the rules of magic this no, early on. Yeah. Yeah. Things that you're not aware you should be paying attention to. Yeah. So yeah. to get back into the ch- chapter... Monica really doesn't hold back a whole lot. She is a little bit... 
not necessarily aloof or mean, but she is a little bit more like, it's too late anyways, I'll tell you, but, like, there's nothing you can do about it. Like, you're gonna die anyways, like... Which is like, okay, you're still answering my questions, but can you shut up and just answer my questions? She's very much like, I don't see the point. You'll be dead anyways, and I gotta protect my children, but sure, here's your information. <laughs> I didn't read it that way at all. No? No, I, I read it as she's trying to get out of an abusive relationship. More defeatist. Yeah, like, like she's, she's just done. lost her sister. Yeah, she's lost her sister Empty. already, and she even mentions, like, she kind of seemed to have had enough when her when Victor started looking at the kids. So like I I maybe it was just the inflection that the narrator had when he was reading it on Audible, but like to me it was like this is someone trying to get rid of trying to get out of an abusive relationship to save the kids. That only proves my theory. Perhaps, you know, I mean what are you gonna use the kids for? Your lust orgies at the beginning? Doubtful. I mean you've already Human proven sacrifice. that your Potentially, but he's already figured out that his anger and or lust was the two biggest emotions for his spells. Yeah, but I'm what's more powerful than that? Sacrificing your own kids. A like magical daughter who can help you. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, I didn't fuel a spell. Read so much <laughs> either that because I was not thinking about his kids having talent. I never went down that I, road. Neither did I. And I never went down that road. I never really went down the human sacrifice road. So obviously the instinct as... A normal, healthy human being and a mother really want to shy away that he was looking at at the orgies for. But what I can <laughs> focus on more is children are very emotional. Like they just they have high ramps. So even if it wasn't specifically that he was looking, you know, to use their anger or their lust, that that children feel everything. Right? Like we look back now and we're like, oh, the drama. Oh my god, I fed you peas for dinner. How do you like being an adult and having to pay rent and work a job and pay for it? And you're right? You're like, oh my god, I wish peas was all I had to work, right? It's it's uh, kind it's, of the, the Monsters, Inc. principle of like fear and laughter are very powerful energy sources. Yeah, and then right? exactly, right? Fear in kids, right? He could ramp that up Has, and just... Um, we talk kids about love and laughter yeah. and right? Like, Has he that. connected like poltergeists and stuff to kids? Because I know outside of outside of um, the book series, that's kind of one of those theories of like why places seem to like have poltergeists happen. It's when their kids hit a certain age and then like, it's just kind of one of those uh, theories as to why, off why like that type of yeah, energy. So, and I will say the answer is yes, but it comes up in two later short stories. Yeah. So like you get that, that could be it too is just AAA wizardry and zoo days. Yeah. So like, um, it could just be that, yeah, they're because their emotions are very powerful. Um, as a child, like you don't really put limits on your emotions. Your reactions are your, your reactions. Mm-hmm. That right. unfiltered and raw. Yes, thank you. Yeah, they're very raw. So, so fear, happiness, pain can be amplified when a child happens. Like, I think just I don't think he had any intention as to what he might have done with them but i think my interpretation of it was once he started looking at the children the like mother's instinct kicked in and she's like no i gotta get out of this so that might be why she's willing to talk to dresden also he's in her house so (laughs) (laughs) like she's not gonna get away if she doesn't afraid afraid of another wizard that's going to do something so well yeah that's what the daughter says like when he 
she's like, I hope you're one of the good ones. I agree with all of that, but I think it's still important to point out that Monica Sells was like willing. She wanted a buffer between her and her husband, super fair, and she chose Dresden to be the one to do it. She still thinks that like eventually she's going to be the next target, but she wants to put as many yeah. people between her and him. And not to say that it wasn't out of love for her children and anything and out of a desperation and a fear and defeated, but it was still very much like, hey, what's big and shiny that's going to distract him long enough for me to maybe get my kids out of this? Right. Yeah. She does lie to him right in the beginning. And even now, I mean, she's not lying anymore, but she does very much say like, it's too late for you. Like, yeah. <laughs> I have to protect my kids, but I'm hoping that I've got at least one more night and it's going to be you. Like, it's very strange. Like, is she just hoping to, like, wait out the storm season? Like, she doesn't know very much. She doesn't know if she can pack up her kids and leave town or if she even have the she's... funds to do that. But it's very much like, I mean, how many wizards are you going to go through in the phone book yeah, before just... you run out? Like, you're done after one. I did have a little bit of that, too, exactly where she, I'm like, okay, but you went to him in the first place with the hopes that he might be able to do something to help. Fine. You didn't want to give him all the facts. You didn't want to say, hey, my husband's gone psycho crazy sorcerer and is about to start killing or has started killing people, right? Because she doesn't want to put, she, she doesn't want it to be able to trace back to her too easily. She's trying to put some distance between. So hopefully figured Victor doesn't immediately, you know, come after her, right? So that's very, she kind of hems and haws and hints and hoping Harry will get it himself. But I'm like, but you did go to him. You did put him on the trail, hoping that something could be done. Now he's figured it out. And he's like, okay, I get it. She's going down. Give me all the details. And you're right. That was something where I'm like, I get that you're scared and you're frustrated and you're at your ropes end and you're like, you know, sort of completely like hollowed out. But well, damn, he's here helping the, right now. There's the remotest chance. Give him everything he could possibly like, right? She's not sure where to go. She says, ask me questions and all, right? But exactly, give him everything that he's possibly like what else do I need to know what can and you're right that's where that little bit and where she's like it's too late it's, I'm like yeah what, what do you have to lose Yeah, and this is still your only choice there's also a point where like she's very forthcoming with the questions or with the answers to his questions but we still and I, this could be just like to show Harry's a smart guy and he's quick on his game but there's even a point where like Harry is still like making connections and guesses himself and he's like Oh, so Jenny was your sister and you guys had Linda because she was brought in by Jenny to do these orgies. And oh, uh, Jennifer knew Tommy Tom and that's how it's connected to Marcone. And it's like, Monica could just tell you all of this, but she's not. It's like Harry's still doing the ones putting it all together in his head. And it's like, why don't you just say how like, like, again, she's answering the questions he asked. And Harry's very smart and maybe doesn't need to ask them. But I feel like there was just so much that she just doesn't what? give that she could have. A counterpoint to that is, doesn't she mention that in the beginning, like when she's being used in the rituals like she kind of just zones out so does she actually know all the connections to mark Cohen, or is that stuff that's on the periphery but she doesn't quite understand yeah she does because she's the one that says why like victor found out about the beckets and brought them in because they were pissed at mark Cohen for getting their daughter killed when oh, okay, okay. so she does know what the connection okay. i don't know maybe this is just a case and this is where i forget sometimes that apparently not everyone in the world is like our family and talking is not like a competitive sport for everyone <laughs> so which you may have learned over these podcasts <laughs> me i would be like sure you ask me a question i'm gonna give you 
three so hour commentary details that you are like and i don't know maybe that's just a normal thing for other people in the world to not be like that maybe monica just does there's I also find there's also the point that like um right after he leaves um i guess i should wait till the next chapter to bring this up but like he's in victor's house like it doesn't search it for anything exactly which becomes important in a in like five minutes when you go to the next chapter and he's talking about uh conduits and stuff right he's in a house full of his materials he does say that he's there's a there's there's a passage in there that says that he's a paranoid enough wizard so if he's already using things to attack people with that he's likely not left anything around. yes that's true that's why he's like no i gotta i gotta go find this person yeah the storm's right overhead and if i don't get out of here now he's under a time pressure this is jessica's donnie weiss all over again didn't interrogate that guy. He's just free and clear. Don't bother searching his house. We'll just assume that there's nothing there. Yeah. It's very much, you know, the police system and Dresden system. <laughs> Let's bring this back around. Cow clocks. Moon. So Harry, Harry, very quickly, he gets what information he can from Monica, which to varying agreements of how important <laughs> or useful it was. But as also said, he's on a timeline. He's got to go. And Harry needs to find Victor, which is very much like, Okay, what do I have of Victor's? I have a talisman. Let me get back to the office. Let me figure out where Murphy's at. Let me get wheels. Cause, mm-hmm. And to be fair enough, we joked last episode that he stopped a block away from the That's uh, what I was residence <laughs> because he ran out of change. No, he just didn't want to like do that awkward thing where like you're paying the cabbie in front of someone's house for five minutes and then you like knock on the door like I just showed up. Pay the cabbie a block before so that you can just walk up to the house without them being able to see you out the window for 10 minutes. Sure. Yeah. And uh, then he uses the rest of his cash to get back to the office. <laughs> that's right. Um, oh, I totally... So So chapter 22? Yeah, that, that wraps up 21. A lot of useless information, honestly. I really feel like he could have just skipped the whole Monica thing. It was really more of an intimidation tactic or meeting Jenny Sells. Or well, the like, intro to not all magic users are wizards. Yeah, and it, that's it, how it, I it take wraps that it up for the reader to give you that connection that all this, that these are no longer the missing husband case and the murder case. This mm-hmm. binds them together and lets Monica you know. Sells is the least and, important part of that chapter. And it foreshadows that Victor um, isn't a wizard like Harry is. Like it kind of explains, or yes, he might not be. The 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 he's not trained in the same way Harry is. Dresden is very specific to not call him a wizard. Mm-hmm. He uses the word mage. Yeah. Instead of, and I think sorcerer. it's mage sorcerer. He's very specific to not call him a wizard, which I think is telling that, when you get into the definitions later on in the book about. Yeah. Well, even just next episode, Harry. it will come up when, wow. yes. yes, I won't say any more now, but next episode it will come up because I mm-hmm. listened a little farther than I should have <laughs> last night. <laughs> Harry um, runs back to his office. Yes. He gets there real quick. He knows Murphy's here. He's gotten the okay from Carmichael that this is where... Murphy is, he needs the talisman, he needs Murphy, and oh boy, Murphy might not be okay right now because he's left the talisman there. Well, talisman, Murphy. Talisman, Jaffe? Talisman. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not Critical Role podcast. I'm Uh, really trying to make it one, though. (laughs) Next, we'll get there. Um, Yeah, when he finds out, because yeah, he goes to call Murphy at, at the office has terrible connection. Carmichael thinks he's one of the other cops and says, oh, she's 
gone to Dresden's office and he's like, oh shit, that's terrible bedside manner. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. Loose where, lips sink ships, right? that's for sure. You gotta wonder. And I'm thinking about it listening it today, right? As I'm and I'm like, well, Harry, because he's like, oh, is this Anderson? And I'm like, was that intentional? Like Harry Dresden on a broken phone. Harry Anderson comes, right? But I was like, yeah, exactly. I'm like, you're saying it's a crappy line and you're really not sure who it is. So you're just gonna be like, oh, she's gone to serve the warrant on Dresden. Meanwhile, it's Dresden who's like, well, I'm not going to go to my office and get a warrant served. I mean, hello. But anyways, he does. Funny how the Matt, how the wizard's curse doesn't show up when he calls his own office. Luckily, yes. I, <laughs> well, and, and he, it is well, established is it lucky, that it's intermittent. Because it's, it's, he kind of egged her, in her mind, he egged her on to open the to start looking in his desk yeah but he was trying not so this, I, I this is exactly my point is that yeah so he then called and this is another thing where i i, I nitpick a little i'm like so so yeah he, he finds out harry calls his office and i'm like again maybe this is just me we mentioned it once before how i'm like i'm not prone to like opening my doors and things if i don't know there's people coming over so maybe this is just a weird me thing but the fact that he calls expecting murphy to answer and murphy answers I'm like, it's not your office. Why would you? So I'm like, okay, maybe again, back in the day, if somebody needed to get a hold of her, right? But I'm like, this is 2000s. So even if it was written slightly before then accounting, I'm like, cell phones were, they were not as common a household object as today where everybody ages 10 to 12 and up for sure has one. But you would have thought that a cop on the force, the year 2000, she probably carried a cell phone. Or a pager. Maybe the pager. I was, but you would think if someone's trying to get a, like, why would you answer Harry's phone? I would say, though, that this, I mean, and I complain a lot about how, like, business is conducted in this town because nobody <laughs> cares about anything. But I will say, like, even watching TV from 2000 to 2020, like, if you're, every, anytime the cops are searching someone's apartment and the phone rings, they're like... That's a clue. And they all answer the phone, like, every exactly. single time. That's what I was going to bring up. So, is she's suspicious of him already. And so I'm sure she's, like... if the phone rings while she's searching it... She's, maybe she's getting a clue to where go find I Harry. I totally expect her to pick it up just to see if it's going to help her. I guess. Totally, like, it's like, maybe. hey, Harry, can we actually meet at the Burger King on 7th instead of 4th? Thanks, did, bye. <laughs> like, do you remember if she spoke first or if Harry spoke first? She answers. She answers Harry Dresden's office. Yeah, and he's so, like Murph. So for all the random, she's pretending to be a secretary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right? no, I. And I, she's I, doing her job, and she's super suspicious of him at the moment. So it makes total sense that she's going to pick it up on the off chance that whoever's on the other line spills something that's useful to her. And yeah, I think I it's maybe. also fair to say that they do have a bit of a personal connection. I mean, uh, like. 24 hours ago, she was tucking him into bed and kissing his forehead. Yeah. It's not like she's at some random guy's office. She's pissed as hell at Harry. Yeah. And I think that's a little bit more like where the audacity comes from. Like, I'm going to pick up your phone, motherfucker. I like, guess, me. Yeah. sue me yeah. for bad cop practices. I dare you. Like, and okay. she and she's re- and she's willing to go the extra mile to get the job done, right? And so, she knows I guess what he that's with. a little yeah. bit fair. I tend to think about it. I was like, well, I, I just found I'm like, it I know Harry needs to get a hold of her, but I guess, yeah. That I gave you sense. cab money to go kill a bunch of people in Chicago. I'm picking up your motherfucking phone. (laughs) I just find it hilarious that his wizard's curse or the like the curse of technology didn't only works or only screws him over when it's supposed to. But technically in both these instances, it didn't 
because if he had a good connection, he never would have found out where Murphy was. So he would have been too late probably to save her. Mm -hmm. So having a bad connection actually did help him. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's meta. It's very meta. It's, it's, it's using a tool to get the story going, which it is, is great. Yeah, but it's still funny to think about. He yeah. was calling Murphy because he needed a ride, really. He was like, hey, lady, like, <laughs> get me out to the lake house, right? I'm going to make a quick stop at my office. So then he was like, okay, Murphy's already at the office. Like, Well, uh, yeah, whether he was calling. Whether you want her to be searching your office or not, it's like, okay, well. Yeah. Well, and he, he doesn't want to lose the talisman because she's, it, he doesn't know that it's going to turn into a giant... He suspects that it yeah. that it's alive because it, he said it gives that some heebie-jeebies. His but number one motive is to use it against Victor. Yeah, to to reverse his spell essentially yeah. back at him. Yeah, because then technically he doesn't break any of the rules. He doesn't kill him. The guy kills himself. Then yeah, all I did was hold up this mirror. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that's well, and that's the thing, right? Because he does when he finds out she's there, then he starts getting worried that there could be something. Yeah, he, you know, like just he knows they've got something of Victor's there. I don't really know what it is him for, and you know what. I kind of thought like the whole reason he got, yeah, yeah the heebie-jeebies. And he mentions, was cause he's like, I well, thought, he, so. it's more than just the heebie-jeebies because he mentions that he thought he saw movement. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what I say is that yeah. what makes him think of that is because originally the very first time when Monica first brings it to him, that was because he like wasn't sure, but he thought he saw. Yeah, right. Moving out of the corner of his eye. Yeah. Put all of that aside, so, Victor Sells is also looking for Harry. He just came and met Harry the night before under the guise of being the shadow man who we yeah. now know the identity of, but it's like, okay, well, maybe this guy's going to show up my office now looking for me. Like, it's really, like, don't be close to me because I'm in the crosshairs right now. And if you're going to be next to me, I want you right next to me, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. I think it's just sort of a very general, he doesn't really know what if am, but it's like, uh, it's just not a good idea. You don't know how many targets are on my back right now? (laughs) So come look at my back. Yeah, Yeah. it's somebody else's, well, that, but somebody else's weapon or whatever too, right? You don't, you know, I mean. He never wants to get his friends hurt. So yeah, it's totally, that's why he called is to try and warn her away from it. Yeah. And of course, with her personality being what it is and her being pissed at him and suspicious. And again, this is what, again, a little bit one of those tropes where I'm like, hey, forget even answering the phone or whatever. But this is the typical, I don't have time to tell you what's going on. You need to get in your car and drive down and meet me. At the-. I'm like, yeah. you could have just said, there's shit in the drawer that's going to kill you. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, by the time you've been like, no, no, Murph, and repeated yourself 10 times of don't open the drawer, don't open the, just tell her why the fuck she shouldn't open the drawer. But it's not as I'm good. Wh- it's, <laughs> it is and it is it, you know. Yeah. I mean, she still could have called I mean, like from a reader's still, perspective. It's she not still could have called bullshit and just been like whatever, and still open the drawer and got. Yeah. Hey, folks, Tanzan here in the editing room. We hit major spoiler land, and there was just no way to edit this out in a pretty way. Okay, that's all. Back to the episode. Monica brings up that he was testing his three eye on her. And like, as, as we know, the wizard's sight is this intense thing. And you either, you see things as they truly are and you never forget. You Every time you recall that it's specific memory, it is into burned your into mind. your memory Indelibly, as though you're yeah. watching it in that moment. And it is one of those things that when you're watching something pure and good and amazing, that's so good. When you're looking at something that's horrible and twisted, it's enough to drive a person mad. Yeah. So if you're a wizard who is at least trained when to look, when to not look, or what to do when you've looked and how to categorize and file and deal with it, when you're a regular mortal who's A, not expecting it, and B, has no idea how to handle it, and it's never going to leave your mind, that's intense and scary. And I think the three-eye 
part of what makes that drug so addicting is because when you are looking at pure good things, you're like, I need this drug every day. Yeah. But as soon as they turn their head a little bit more, they're seeing this. And again, if they're already druggies, there's probably not sunshine and rainbows every single time. <laughs> they're probably seeing some pretty fucked up shit, even if it's not yeah. like monsters and ghouls. Well, there's probably a shadow on you and all your friends' faces in that this is it. alleyway. Even Monica you know? says she's it like, I looked at Victor else. and saw him for what he really was, and she's like, as soon as it was over, God help me, but I wanted more. Harry finds Murphy injured and poisoned, and a scorpion that is growing in size. Murphy handcuffs Harry to her and then passes out. Harry battles with the scorpion and manages to destroy it using the elevator. Dresden briefly celebrates his victory when he realizes a storm is on its way. So Harry gets himself to the office. He uses the last of his money to get there as fast as possible. Get me there five minutes ago. Gets up to there and, of course, too late, however long this drive has been, Murphy opened the drawer on the phone. So Murphy is on the yeah. ground. She's bleeding. You've got to expect it's been a bit because he said they were out in the suburbs and his office is downtown. So... There's been a significant amount, yeah, like even this, this 15 a, minutes, you know, like yeah, I'd even taking into account Cabby's doing, uh, Cabby's doing what he's actually saying and going, getting him you know, there getting five as minutes fast ago. As he can. Yeah, still a good 15, 20 minute drive. Mi- most yeah, likely. I would say yeah, top rare, at best, right? Possibly. So yeah, yeah. so she's. Yeah, yeah she's, she's been injured for a little while. By the time he gets there, and already. she's only semi-conscious at that point when he gets there. Yeah. yeah, and Harry points out. I mean, she's a small frame too. Like, it's a and it's a scorpion, so we know that it's poison. And yeah. Harry references that it's just a brown scorpion, so you but know it's, also it's hard enlarged. It's but yeah. it's also yeah. enlarged, and she's small, and it's been a while it's already. What, the size of a dinner plate when he gets there, roughly. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's pretty quick, and he gets there, and he like puts down his tool, and he looks at Murphy, and he's like, "Okay, this thing is some." and this thing jumps at him and takes its own stab and there's a bit of a scuffle Harry tries to put a desk drawer between him and the thing and he he succeeds but it still manages to stab him anyways and cuts through him on his pant leg if you you visualize this it's we now have a fight scene between a giant scorpion that goes from the size of a dinner plate to the size of a small dog and um, inside an office, and it's really, really interesting to read or listen to. Like, it doesn't seem boring, even though it's a very minor fight, but it's still interesting. And it shows him, like, it shows him, shows that he can handle himself in a fight without magic if he has to. Mm-hmm. Well, as D&D shows us, each round is six seconds long. Yeah. So it's very quick to be like... Walk to Murphy, drop to the ground, check the body, get stabbed by a scorpion, get arrested by Murphy. It's yeah. like this all happens within about like 20, 30 seconds. And yeah. you're like, and again, we're butchers good at writing these action scenes. So even if you're not a super action oriented person, it does. It keeps it interesting and it moves it along. Yeah. And you're still it doesn't engaged. drag on. It doesn't drag with a bunch of well, and technicalities. And, and he still uses the, the ambiance, like describing the fan squeaking to give that sort of anticipation while he's waiting yeah. to see if something's going. Right, waiting yeah. for the jump scare. And it's, just hearing it's dark, yeah. yeah. And then even like how Squeak. he describes it as the the dry scuttling sound. Yeah. So not just that it's it's so it separates it from like it's not a wet or slimy sound. It's dry it's as in dry. the husk is crackling yeah. as it's scrabbling across the floor. <laughs> well, yeah, I imagine. Yeah, thankfully, 
don't have a lot of scorpions here. Any? Yeah. Um, yeah, we yeah. got black widows. I, I, <laughs> we, it, but yeah, that whole. Um, <sighs> and it's cool because it's like, okay, so you don't have to be present to attack someone with, with magic. If you, if you can plant something in their office. And this is the whole point. This is the thaumaturgy versus evocation. So this yeah. is the whole point is of how this book started with Jennifer and Tommy Tom getting murdered by thaumaturgy. He wasn't there. No one was in the room. He did it from a distance. And then he brings up when he meets Morgan that Morgan's a really good evocator in that. He can um, do things, but you generally more need a line of sight. You know, you, can, you don't necessarily have to be touching distance, but you need like line of sight to focus mm -hmm. and aim and do. So, yeah, so we've already Which, established that, yeah, you, you don't have yeah. to be present. And this shows Morgan's... Um, biased against Dresden because Dresden's not good at thaumaturgy. Not terribly refined. This is again, right? He's, yeah, he's very powerful evocation. Yeah. And, but the fact that Morgan is, Morgan's out to get him. Yeah. So it's I mean, like, basically, like you say, at, at this point, Harry, because he says he's not very good at evocation. Yeah, Harry is, again, he says it himself time and time again. He's got a lot of raw inherent He's a level talent. one wizard. He's a level one. He just, his big thing is refinement. <laughs> he doesn't have the finesse. That would he, so he knows how to do all of this stuff. But what he's got coming in the next few books as this goes on is learning better control, learning better refinement, learning better, right? So yeah, so yeah. Morgan has that, you know, 50, 60, 100 years on Harry to have... Right, so while Harry's powerful and can block a lot of what Morgan's going to throw at him, Morgan's sort of got yeah, just with raw bit. willpower, he yeah, can block it. Um, but yeah, but it's funny, yeah, him scrambling yeah. around this office, right? It's like he puts down his stuff to check on Murphy, and then boom, the thing jumps out at him, and he and takes his stuff away, and he's reaching for that. But you he's know? but he's handcuffed to Murphy, so he yeah. can't. He's she takes he's her opportunity with, yeah. and gets him, <laughs> and yeah. it's very quick. Like he's like. And it's fun little lore about Murphy is like, anyone ever tell you how insufferable and to the point or whatever the hell his words are? And she's like, my ex-husband. Ex <laughs> <laughs> we find out, yeah, like, <laughs> this is the second time, because, yeah, because first yeah. she says Dresden reminds. Um, but that's the other thing, I thought, and Dresden's reaction right here, he's like, you stubborn bitch. <laughs> he's like, this is not the time and place yeah. to and prove I'm trying to save you. Legitimately not a lot of time because he pretty much gathers up Murphy and drags her to the hallway, shoves her in the elevator, second too late, gets the elevator closed before this thing comes running after them. Yeah, the one thing we didn't mention is he gets there, checks on her, and calls the ambulance, and that's when he gets attacked. Yes, he did, he that's did true. Yes, he does. So he's also on a clock because he knows he has to get down to the paramedics yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Murphy's dying as well. So there's a lot of timeline uh, Yeah, so he's out. got the scuffle with the scorpion. He get, gets out, gets to the elevator, closes yeah. the door right on the elevator. The thing slams against the doors, and they start heading down in the elevator. Lo and behold, technology fucks out on him again. <laughs> and the elevator stalls, and then you hear the creaking of metal, and then you hear a thump, and this damn thing is on the elevator, slowly yeah. tearing its way and through the like, roof. You've got to be fucking size of a gorilla. Yeah. So it's kidding. gone from a dinner plate to a small dog to or a, a freaking gorilla. Small French in car. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that five was minutes. great too. Yeah. A small <laughs> French car. Bigger yeah. than some French. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. And this is like one more time when Harry very much doesn't think ahead. He's got step one done plan. I don't know. I think it was in the office, but it might have been the elevator. He mentions like he considers 
shattering the um, handcuffs. The, the handcuffs, but in then, the yeah. but then he brings up like he needs his blasting rod to do it. Otherwise, or even with that, he might just kill them both with shrapnel. Yeah. So, but yeah, so, it's, yeah. So they're yeah. shoved in this elevator, and Harry's got to come up with a plan. Okay, let's slam the damn thing. But, well, to death. yeah, it's like, but they're going, they're going, we're going. I just, and then yeah, they stop on the second floor, in between the first and second, and that's where he's like, so so fucking close. And once like, more, this no precision. Harry starts building up as much pressure underneath the thing as he can get. Calls on the wind. Calls on the wind. Doesn't have a whole lot of finesse, especially without his tools. And the elevators are skyrocketing to the top floor, which is great and all. He gets up there, kills the scorpion, slams it to pieces. Wishes out. Yeah. And then, you know, that damn the motherfucking Newton. <laughs> Bastard. Gravity. Everything. Comes I forgot back. about something until the groan. Of- yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, right. We're about to hit. Thinking, yeah. Yeah. We're about to go the other way. And he mentions, like, we're about to be that scorpion. As we hit. Well, yeah. I really liked that how they he again uses the physics and mm-hmm. and layers those the air with the the shield the shield air shield yeah. air he, and uh, makes it purposely yeah. flexible because otherwise Cause the shield would kill them as yeah. well. Yeah, like, yeah, he yeah he points out that. that like yeah he has to dampen their fall because it doesn't matter if it's a hard shield or the floor of the elevator hard elevator yeah it's still hard. Yeah. So he needs an airbag. Like, that's what he makes. He makes yeah. a magical airba- airbag. Yeah. And, you know, not at a second too soon, really. As they yeah. crash into, luckily there isn't a basement. Because they hit down on the first floor and they're released <laughs> from this thing. Ding! Ding! Yeah. <laughs> and the paramedics are there. Yeah, that was um, such a good moment. And yes, the paramedics are there and there's... The things suddenly slow down for a minute because now paramedics have questions and they have first aid and they're like, what's well, up, buddy? And they're and watching him do a dance of joy because he actually... Yeah. 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 You and fuck you, motherfucker. I fucking got you. And fuck you, Victor Sells. And, and they're right just like... your ass and oh, shit, it's raining. That was... Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and the, the line about the paramedics exchanging a look and he knows that they're going to sedate him as soon as they can. <laughs> and this is kind of like one of those really like significant moments when Harry leaves Murphy on her own. He's like, it sucked to do because like this is not the time you want to leave a friend in this position all by themselves. Yeah. But again, look at that sky. Like, <laughs> I'm about to die. Yeah. Priorities. I've got, I've got time enough for one of 30 steps. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he doesn't want to leave her without answers and he doesn't want to leave her in the, um, injured and critical state that she's in with the, you know, the poison and the bleeding and the, all that. Yeah, he but cares exactly. for her. But yeah, he's, he's got to get stuff done and, and, and he imparts it, as much as he can. He's like, this was the poison and this is what happens and this is the injury yeah. and they're like, yeah, fuck off, dude. And he's like, okay, I'm going to fuck off. Well, yeah, he decides before anybody really starts noticing because he sees they've already called for backup. He hears all the other sirens coming in and yeah, so he does the, dad, why couldn't you live long enough to teach me how to get out of handcuffs? Yeah. And this is, this is again a slight where I have a bit of a niggling, but I don't know enough about it to know. So it could be, but he's like, I don't have time to go through all her keys. I'm like, wouldn't, aren't handcuff keys supposed to be pretty Maybe not. I, I thought it would have been sort of obvious. They're, they're pretty. Them. They're usually tiny. Unique. Well, they're, they're, they're small yeah, and, they're and a pretty unique, unique look. But, but whatever. He doesn't have time to go through her keys. How, also, gotta, how many um, 
How many sets of handcuff keys does she have? Well, I don't, see, this is the thing I don't know. Like, Aren't they universal? Right? This is my question. I mean, yeah, according kind to of the TV and movies, they are. He realizes in that moment, oh, the exoplasm, before it goes away, I can probably slip her smaller hand yeah, out of the handcuff. Yeah, sorry, Murph. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have time to learn this trick for my dad. So, so I'm just going to take That means he walks of- away with a pair of handcuffs on his wrist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Casual, shoves his hand in his pocket. That's what he has, that big duster yeah, in he's got the duster. pockets, right? Just do, 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 do. Chapter 23. Dresden manages to work Murphy's hand out of the cuff and hands her over to the EMTs. He decides to go to McAnally's to borrow a car. While he gets there, he's confronted by Morgan, accusing him to be the one using the storms to commit the murders. In a hasty move, Harry knocks Morgan out and races for the lake house. So, yeah, so Harry gets himself to McAnally's uh, and... Before we talk about it, do you want to read that quote of what he sees when he comes in? Because I really like it and it kind of goes back to the earlier discussion. sure, sure. The clientele of McAnally's, uh, they were the have-nots, the magical, uh, they were the have-nots of the magical community. Hedge magi without enough innate talent, motivation, or strength to be true wizards. Innate gifted people who knew what they were and tried to make as little of it as possible. Dabblers, herbalists, holistic healers, kitchen witches, troubled youngsters just touching their abilities and wondering what to do with it. Yeah, I love that description of McAnally's and the people in there because, like, it shows you how wide the world can be. And, like, that it's not just wizards and not just people with lots of power. There's also, like you said, hedge witches. Uh, hedge <laughs> witches. Hedge magi. Thank you. Yeah. And so, like, and then kitchen witches, I think, was the one yes. that I got mixed up with. But, like, so, yeah, it shows that. Um, there's lots of different levels of magic and talent. And then it also shows if you the think weekend about warriors it, <laughs> and different yeah. manifestations of it too. Yeah. And, different and that yeah. McAnally's without him pointing it out is a safe zone is the bunker because that's where they're all congregating. Right. Yeah. It does say that they're the umbrella there the because yeah. they know something's yes. happening that they're they're They can feel the, the yeah. energy. Yeah. That there's something wrong. And that the 13 pillars, the 13 tables yeah. and the, the configuration uh, disrupts the energy. So they yeah. were there for safety. And like, but, yeah, exactly. Dresden knows that it's not going to do anything for him because the, the storm is going to be directly pinpointed at him. So yes. Yes. So it'll go through any threshold. It's just interesting. Well, and it it's shows, a business. It doesn't really have a threshold. Right. Yes. But it, it sets it up as like, that's the meeting point. This is where the magical community feels safe. Yes. And it's like the neighborhood in quotes bar. Mm-hmm. It's the neighborhood. It's, it's, it's the herd instinct. That's yeah. yeah. That, that's where they're gathering. They don't really know what's going yeah. on. They know they can't really do anything about it, but comfort in numbers. And Harry also points out that this isn't just, you know, I mean, for all the reasons above, but also he recognizes everyone by sight. Like, there's a crowd here that has always been here and always comes here for this sort of a thing, you know? It's not like every time you walk into a Burger King, it's a brand new set of faces. I mean, this mm-hmm. has a very specific clientele that yes, is repeat business again this and again and again, and they don't yeah. get many outsiders. It's all your locals. Exactly. Yeah. So Harry cuts here, and yeah, as, as stated, he's quickly confronted by Morgan following him through the door and accusing him. There is, I, I'm going to, I'm going to write another quote on that one because I just love how he's introduced 
coming t- towards him. Lightning flashed outside. Morgan stood silhouetted in the doorway atop the little flight of stairs, his broad, fla- f- broad frame black against the gray sky. He came down the stairs towards me, and thunder came in on his heels. My yeah. God, he sounds like either th- like a, an, either a bad guy or Thor. I'm not sure which. Yeah. <laughs> to add to that, the just before that intro, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, Harry asks McAnally for his car keys, the, the, um, sorry, the, uh, the bartender for his car keys and he hands them to him. And then he, he either grunts or he nods behind him. And then that, yeah. then that's the next line. Yeah. So he's being warned to look behind him. And then that's the intro. Yeah. Which is and awesome. It's good. And right? it's, it's a so, nice nod to Mac because they've had a very small interaction the first time Harry was there. You know, Harry's like, ooh, did you hear about the murder? Eh. Oh, did you hear about this drug? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, right? This is Mac's very like, mm-hmm, yeah. And, and but here again, so he says, you know, they know each other, that Harry patronizes the bar a lot and stuff like that. And that Mac is a man of few words. But literally here he walks and takes a look around at everybody kind of huddling up and knowing that something's going on takes that and doesn't talk to anybody else doesn't do anything basically just looks and he's like mac hey i need your car keys and instant max he makes a very big point of saying how mac doesn't look up he's like mac was yeah. polishing the bar doesn't look up when i come in doesn't look up when i'm like glancing around at all the other patrons in the bar doesn't look up you know and i'm like hey i need your car keys he's just like yeah here yeah there's you a know? level so of that trust speaks to yeah something there's a level there of trust on, there on mac. In a relationship yeah there. and then so then he does finally look up at him and then he's like hey yeah, he literally just kind of gives a uh, yeah and a nod and and um, that's yeah he took I took so, the gesture for what it was and turned around and yeah. then that's so what and yeah leaning. so that's a double meaning of one his trust in him that he doesn't question why he yeah, needs his car doesn't care but on top of that he finally stops what he's doing to warn him. To yeah. turn around. Like, I think that's we've we've spoken how Murphy is the second reoccurring character. We meet and Marcone is the third, but Mac is the fourth. And again, like you kind of like that trust is there from day one between these two. Whereas like you really watch Murphy and Harry's relationship grow. You watch Marcone's and Harry's relationship grow. But kind of from the get go, Mac, there is no change. It's just a very steady Mac mutual more, trust yeah. off the bat. But I mean, I think that's kind of fair. So. Because, again, him and Susan have crossed paths periodically professionally before this, right? This is Susan asking him for dates. So this is why he, that relationship begins there and we get to see the evolution and progression of that, right? Um, this is his first time meeting Marcone, so we get to see the evolution and progression of that. Murphy, he has met before and there has been some progress that we haven't seen yet. But, again, they're working mostly professionally. She just calls him in every now and again on case. We're sort of seeing... The, the beginning stages of where their friendship is forming as well, right? So kind of like Susan, they've had something of a professional, but slightly more so with Murphy and Dresden. Ben with Susan. But Mac, Mac's his bartender. Mac has been there from St. Ray. Mac feeds him. He gives him, you know, both metaphysical room. and literal shit. Like it's close to his, right? Like Harry's been going, but this is definitely, he's established this relationship, I think, a lot more and probably cemented more quickly than he has with anybody else. So I think that's fair that he actually has. And even not touched on, it's also fair to say that Mac is the first of all of these people that's in on the know about magic. He's yes. got his magic bar. So I think that's another level of trust. It's like Harry really doesn't have to like. Yeah, get that exactly. McAnally's was well established before 
Dresden moved to town, and it was one of the first places Dresden found, because again, he's not native Chicagoan, right? So he's come, and he's found this place close to his, his office, and this is where he regularly... And other than, and like, the two people that know the most about you tend to be either your hairdresser or, or your, your bartender. bartender. <laughs> right? So, yeah, like, there's... And if you drink ye- like Tamsin, it's both. Yeah. And if, uh, if you're... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was going to go with the whole because women in their hairdresser. And men yes, and yeah, that's that true. That was sort yeah. of where I was going. May um, we all have that relationship yeah. with our bartenders. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, bartenders. Like, bartenders. That's the thing. It's like... Yeah. If bars ever open up again. Yeah. We don't see the start of that relationship, but he sets it out so well in yes. this scene. And I know there's one scene before, but like he's... This is the really well of establishing that without having to go into all the backstory yeah. and give a lot of exposition. And that's what Jim Butcher is really good at is he n- almost never has to actually sit down and explain it to you. He's able to write most of it. Mix it into the interactions yes. that you... And even if you don't have a full picture, chances are in the next like half hour, 20 minutes or next couple chapters or, yeah. you're going to figure it out. He'll add more to it. I always think of time just because I listen to an audiobook. Yes. So it's more chunks of time that I'll listen. But yeah, like it's, to his credit, it's really easy to read his books because you don't have to sit through huge explanations as to what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So. so yeah, so Morgan comes in. We haven't seen Morgan for a while. Uh, he Not showed since up he- since the demon toad. And then the only time before that was a summoning of Toot Toot. So this is only the third time we've met uh, Morgan, but... And still not a charm. No, <laughs> no. I mean, all three times has been to come and threaten his life with Doom and Damocles, you know? And this time is especially this time funny. This I got you for sure. Okay, this well, time I know. But, I mean, this one's a little bit funnier because it's like, the first few times it's like, I'm watching you, motherfucker. And the second time it's like, okay, I got you now. Like, execution date Monday. See you then. And this time it's like, you and me are going to sit at this bar. I'm going to babysit the fuck out of you until everyone else shows up. And You're it's like, under arrest. Yeah, but it, was, yeah. it wasn't even that, that. He's like, you and me are sitting at this bar and waiting till yeah. like, the- oh, I figured out it's the storms too. We're not going to do We're going to sit right here and nobody's moving yeah. till the big dogs get here. <laughs> and it's really not even like, like Harry is very quickly like, I don't have the time, motherfucker, and like goes in for a swing. Like he almost bluffs him. He's like turns to sit, and then well, he just like bluffs him. He blindsides well, him, and then yeah. So they go to sit, and then Harry's like fucking wailing on him in a second. Like he takes his opportunity. He grabs a chair. He throws it over Morgan. Like the entire bar just watches him <laughs> assault a cop. Really, <laughs> like, the, the funny thing about this that I just realized. This is very much a. Uh, uh, you don't bring a knife to a gunfight scene, but in the exact opposite. Yes. Um, so I assume most people are going to get that reference, but it's Indiana Jones. But the idea here. <laughs> Trust us, we've been there. <laughs> yeah. So the idea here in my head is if if Morgan was going to assume he would do anything, it would be cast a spell. But what does Harry do? Does the exact opposite. He slams him with a heavy wooden chair and just knocks him out. Yeah. <laughs> like that's. Told, yeah. I guarantee that is not what he was gonna, what he was expecting him to do. Absolutely, and that's again where Harry says it himself lots of times. He's like, everybody always expects me to pull out the woo, you know, yeah. and a lot of times he he doesn't. And I don't. Damn, get if a lot the gun ain't just as lot, effective. Yeah, because yeah. there's a lot of sometimes more effective. Yeah, um, but I like how he knows too that I mean, because it's already sort of been established in out of the lake house before with Tutu that he can't. He, he's 
they're pretty evenly matched for like um, height and that sort of a thing. But Morgan's a little more heavy set, and again, Morgan's got the years of experience and has done more fighting and stuff than Harry. Right? This is the thing. Now he says in the beginning that Morgan looks around fifty, and then later on, like he's got a decade of experience a century of experience or whatever so i'm kind of not sure if that was just again the thing of harry's like he looks this age or whether that was supposed to imply that he actually was and it sort of got I, changed well my guess morgan is was born looked. in the 1800s yeah but as of book one you get the impression that he's like 50 or okay. 60 so it's but, like he's got a few yeah. years on harry not a hundred and few years on has, harry has harry explained yet how wizards age no not okay, completely yeah. or whatever so, no but i'm just i'm just saying yeah. right so i would but, take it as he said he looks 50 for as to introduce him and get an image of in your head yes and then later on it, when yeah. he says he's yeah. got like decades more then it's like okay so now it deepens it a bit going there's more to this character yes and but he's, yeah. point being and, sort of is just that again Mer- uh, morgan has whatever going in his favor that Harry doesn't Harry knows he can't take him in a fair fight kind of a thing. Well, and it also says so, that he's got a sword at his side. So you well, know that there's more muscle than Harry's wiry little so there's, whatever, you so know. So he has so to take the cheap shot because he's, 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 he's yeah. got weapons, no other opportunity. Yeah. So yeah, exactly, right. He's got, and yeah, just that fact that Harry knows that. So he makes it look like he's kind of being defeated and agreeing. He kind of hunches just, over and puts his hands on the back of the chair like he's giving in. And then cheap shot. picks it up and mm-hmm. twists with it. Yeah. But again, it's very, very quick. It's just like, boom, boom, boom. The entire place stops and stares at him. He's like, gotta go. Bye, motherfuckers. And like, nobody tries to stop him. He just assaulted like someone who like. Was, the only like, person who the, moves is the Mac. Three <laughs> most powerful people in this bar are Morgan, Harry, and Mac. And only because we know nothing about Mac. Everyone else, though, it's been pretty well established that they're all low-level well, they talent, right? We don't fuck with right? Max Bar, so, so we don't fuck with Max Bar. He's something. like top of the chain here, right? Yeah. So nobody's gonna step in and do anything, but they're staring at like the two most powerful people in the room, and one just fucked the shit out of the more powerful Without one. Without using a, an with a chair, of with a chair, and that's oh, the like especially like that too. He's like in the movies, the chair breaks. In real life, you the break. person yeah. breaks. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, Harry, Harry Flay, yeah. flees quite like, quickly. To Hell give a bit more info on Mac, like, it's interesting what he does, because, like, he's the only one who moves, doesn't move to stop Dresden. He just walks over, checks uh, Morgan, he goes, he's alive, and that's it. That's all, like, yeah. and that's oh, the not, most not, he he not even. He takes the keys because he, he didn't realize he dropped the keys. So, right, so right. It, he, yeah, he Mac even, also passes. Mac even, like, hands him back. Here, yeah, here's go. the keys. More testament to Mac's faith. But yeah, yeah. I love it. it's yeah. like Mac came up Which, from behind the bar, not moving in a hurry. But not with his usual laconic lack of concern either. So it's so kind of, but it really normal, makes you wonder. Right? He's normal like, nope, by Morgan feels his throat, peels back an eyelid, peers up at me. Max Quinton is like, alive. You didn't even get a he's alive, just alive. Harry's like, okay, I gotta run. But <laughs> that further like, points yeah. to like, Council what does Mac pissed. know? Because like, uh, sure, we all tell our bartender everything. No. Okay, I know we don't. I don't tell anyone shit. I'm not gonna be telling them like I'm up for a murder investigation. And here's like my thing: like Mac has an eye into the supernatural world, has an ear somehow, some way, and well, knows Harry's the backstory. Next thing he says is council will be pissed. Yeah. So and you Harry's know. like, let me worry about that. So Harry. So again, right? Mac 
as you're saying, more than, you know, Murphy's open-minded and willing to see there's some new per- supernatural, but like you say, Max, Max like, lived but it. Max, right, but he's like, council will be pissed. It's the very fact quick, that he though, runs a magic bar means he's lived it. He know he's, he's deep he's in the world. But this is my know. thing, is that Mac is kind of always presented as this neutral force, but he's really not. He's very much pro-Harry's side. Like, yeah. he could have done a lot more to help Morgan. And he doesn't. And as you see throughout the books, there's a lot of times when Matt kind of steps back and doesn't do anything. And that inaction is maybe presented as neutrality, but always works as in ad- advantage yeah. Dresden. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, he's also really got this. some independence, right? As we learn later with the accords. Well, yes, Max's whole thing is up for debate anyways. But, yeah. Yeah, it's, but yeah, just the that's bar that's itself is its neutral ground. It's Sweden. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean um, Switzerland. Switzerland, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> the one, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it doesn't mean right that Right now he's... Sweden because nothing official's happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. I, I like him as a character. He's an interesting character. Yeah, I'm he's one of those. curious to see more about him later, but that's even past what's been published. Yeah, one in, of those ones that point. sort of the lack of information is what kind of piques your curiosity. It's mm-hmm. like, you like Mac, you don't really know why, because we don't know anything about him, but you just well, you get that sense like, okay, oh, but he makes good, the best sandwiches and he makes the best beer. Craft brew, yeah. Right. And this is like one of those most annoying things about Butcher too, is that every time there's a Q&A, people are asking about Mac, they're asking about Bob, they're asking about this and that, and he's like, oh, I'm pretty sure I, I gave you guys enough information to figure it out. And it's like, no, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, but the problem is- You guys he, have everything you, you need. Would we be asking? He did, but just like with some other characters, a lot of the time you can't piece it together until he slaps you in the face with it. That goddamn hindsight. And it makes it really obvious who he is. And then you go, click, 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 right, that's who it is. Legit, like, you watch- Dres- or you watch Jim Butcher like build this like castle out of cards in front of you and then he just like punches you in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so many characters. There's so many characters who are like that. But I, I like him because that, because yeah. he you're takes... you're waiting to place that last one. And yeah. Just... Yeah. <laughs> it all makes... <laughs> I get it. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, I think that's safe to say yeah. that that concludes our episode eleven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're as knocked out as Morgan is. <laughs> Come back we're, for more we're next week. That one. So this concludes our episode eleven. Elevator, whoosh, smash, ding. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Andreas, for being our guest. Oh, it was, it was a blast. I hope I can come back. Yeah, no, I hope so, too. We hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, she's disowned. I mean, We're cutting all of your lines. <laughs> I'm charge. Good luck. That'll be, that's it'll a be, lot to It'll be elevator out. music. Welcome to our 10-minute episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that tends to be me. I ramble. Well, You're in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> you can Free find us online rambling. at freeflowrambling.com and macanalies.ca. There we have links to our other podcasts, social media, and other fun tidbits. Please subscribe if you like what you're hearing, and please consider supporting us through Patreon to keep the magic alive and to see more content. We are Free Flow Rambling, conjure at it by your own risk. <laughs>